It is the Brotherly Love Podcast, back and better than ever. Joe Donald, John Mita with you. 2-0 for the birds. Go birds, go birds, go birds. Uh, yeah, so getting to be a weekly thing. This is going to be another uh, rip and run podcast. Get to the yeah. Get around. Maybe you're making breakfast and you can listen to the whole thing. That's what we give you on the Brotherly Love Podcast. John Mita, what's up, dude? All I can say is home sweet home, baby. It was great to be back at the link with the the best section in all of Lincoln Financial Field, C-16 strong. 20 years in running, which is kind of remarkable to believe that I've had season tickets there. With your brother-in-law, Keith Michael Michael, for 20 years. But it's... Uh, 20 it's years a- you guys have been season ticket holders? Yeah. Isn't that wild? 2002, man. That's when they crowned the stadium against Tampa Bay on that unfortunate Monday night loss. Yeah. I was at that game, but I was not in those seats. I believe I was in Tom Winnick's end zone seats for that game. Exactly. So, but yeah. Wow, that was the first year, huh? First year. Isn't that crazy? First year at the link. By the way, I forgot last episode, and this really bothered me when I thought about it afterwards. I forgot to give my podcast partner and great friend, John Francis Lawrence Mita. Did I miss any names? No, nah, you got them all, mostly. All the good ones. <laughs> I forgot to give my guy, Johnny Meats, some props. Because week one, I was in a, per- a predicament. You know, moving, direct TV, trying to get it set up. I told him to pound sand, scrambling. I'm trying to find somebody's Sunday ticket login. Game's not on locally. I got youth soccer to attend. I'm looking up ghetto internet streams of the game that I can stream without getting arrested by the FCC. There you go. And John Mita was kind enough to have me call him. Okay. Call and take care of things properly with the old FaceTime. The old FaceTime, watch the game. So thank you, John Mita, for that. So I was at a soccer field on FaceTime with Mita. He put his phone up on a tripod. Thank you, Marissa. (laughs) And I was able to watch the game on John Mita's television well enough that I knew what was going on and I could hear John Mita's commentary in the background about good plays and bad plays for the hour-plus hours of the soccer field until I could get back to my illegal internet stream. John Mita, thank you, my friend. Uh, You got it, buddy. Got it, but you also forgot to mention that you lost the first bet of the season, and you owe me a bottle of whiskey after uh, the Bills dominated the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I don't, night. I don't remember that. I'll have to go <laughs> back and check the tape. Check the tape, but no, my pleasure, Joe. I'm glad you could hear some of my crazy commentary because when you watch a game with me, it's uh, it's a very unique experience. I tend to curse, and that's why usually I'm in the privacy of my own home. Or just yell at the TV because if I did that out in public, you know, one of two things happen. Number one, I'm probably going to be asked to leave. And number two, I just pray that I don't get arrested for my actions and behavior. <laughs> Good point. Good point. And um, yeah, I, I think you, I think you said it. I think you said it pretty well there. I will say that John Meadow, while watching the game, uh, if it was a third down, the Eagles' defense was on the field. He would tell me third down and tell me to get up. Like, I wasn't already excited enough about the play. 
exactly. Got to got to pay tribute to what I do at a home game, and then when the punt team comes on after we make a big stop on third down, you know I'm going to scream scream punt team three times. So <laughs> you know that's happening. Um, well, birds are two and zero. I don't know that they could have played a better first half of football than they did on national television at home Monday night. I need to give you more props. You've been spot on with this team through two weeks. Um, and I, I know this because Jake uh, listens to the Brother Love podcast. He's the one. And typically he's a week or so behind. And speaking of taking a shower and listen to the podcast, he likes to listen to the BL podcast while he's taking a shower. And so I've, then I'm blasting it through the house, so I have to be forced to listen to you and I. There you go. Um, but I was able to then catch some of the last two, two weeks where my takes and predictions were pretty much way off. Not completely, but somewhat way off. And you were dialed in. You had no fear for week one or week two. And, <laughs> uh, and here we are, 2-0 and for the Eagles again. Played an almost flawless half of football. Oh, my God. Um, it, I mean, def- just to even go down the field and make it 24-7 at halftime, not, you know, they don't miss the kick. They don't. You know, they went down starting from their five-yard line. That was just such a nice way to end the half, give the Vikings even less hope going into halftime. I'm sure it was a fun game to be at, my man. What'd you say? Well, I mean, it's funny. Honestly, we are podcast partners for a reason because the one word that came to my mind, you literally just said out of your mouth, which is kind of crazy, which was flawless. Um, the fact that they got the field goal in the end, I thought it was a nice job to – to get the two-minute offense going and, and get the field goal. Because there were times in that football game where, you know, the, the Vikings had a blocked field goal. They could have turned into a touchdown. But all of a sudden, Aaron Sipaz turned into Carl Lewis and was able to track someone down from behind. But if you look at it, if the Vikings were able to – if Kirk Cousins doesn't throw up on himself, what generally does on Monday night or football. Or Irv Smith catches that pass. Or Irv Smith catches that touchdown. The game gets a little tighter. And that three points could be the difference in the football game. Yep. So that the Vikings huge. are getting the ball to start the second half. Exactly. But what I saw was I was just floored uh, by the performance of Jalen Hurts when it came to throwing the football. His accuracy, to, I mean, never in a million years. If you had told 100, 1,000, 10,000 Eagles fans, be like, listen, do you think Jalen Hurts will ever be able to complete 80% of his passes in a football game. I don't think there is one person in America that would say that that would be even remotely possible, even over maybe 70% or even 75%. Yep. What he did was extraordinary. The things that I noticed, he was very poised. He was stepping up in the pocket. But, Joe, the tightness, the throw, some of the windows. I mean, the Vikings had some defenders in the area. Most of the time they were playing zone coverage. And some of the windows, I mean, small windows he was throwing to. There was another ball that he threw to Dallas Goddard. Yep. It was kind of like a flag route, like, you know, a 10-yard out to the corner. He basically dropped a dime in the bucket between three defenders. Now, Dallas Goddard had his hands on it, was unable to basically haul it in and complete the catch. But, again, just another flawless throw was just incredible. I mean, he literally – I was telling everyone in the stands, I go – Yo, this guy is playing. Joan Hurst is playing the best game of his professional career. Yep. You know, he used his legs when he had to. Another good quality that we saw, which is some improvement, which are these are things he's going to need to improve on moving forward and to continue 
the great consistency at the QB position was keeping his eyes down the football field. You know, instead of just breaking away, there was times against the Lions he had to break away because he was getting chased, like, you know, immediately. This one, he was like, felt the pressure. He slid up. He moved right. He moved left. He was throwing right, throwing left. I mean, it was just a complete football game. And the power that he ran the football with. That one touchdown run, the 30-yarder, 33-yarder. I mean, it looks like he is about to go out of bounds. And he says, you know what? At the eight-yard line, he digs his right foot in the ground and says, nah, I'm not going out of bounds. And I'm going to bully my way into the end zone. And that's what happens when you get squat 600 pounds. I mean, yep. it, it was truly incredible. Listen, I'll be the first one to admit it, you know, on the podcast, okay? When I'm killing somebody and they do a great job, I will have to give you props where props are due. And props are due to Jonathan Gannon. I never thought I'd say this because, you know, again, he's not the highest guy on my list. But he did a masterful job calling a great defense. And to me, it was the first time that he actually trusted his personnel. He trusted Slate. He trusted Maddox. He trusted Bradbury to do some one-on-one coverage, let his defensive lineman get after the quarterback, send some pressure, send some zero blitzes. And it made a huge difference because Kirk Cousins felt a little uncomfortable. The ball was sailing high, and they were able to turn him over three times, and they got two sacks. Again, I'd still like to see more out of the defensive line. And as this thing grows, I think they can really turn into a tremendous football team. And it's very exciting. And listen, if they, you know, Nick, uh, Nick Sirianni has a thing that they always say. It's, hey, we're trying to get 1% better each and every day. If we can get better 1%, we're doing great things. Listen, this football team can, can keep getting better each and every week. By the time the end of the season, I mean, the wheels will be lubed up. But it's great to get off to a 2-0 start. I mean, I think there's yeah. only three teams. What? Three teams in the NFC that are two and zero, I believe. Yep. Um, there's uh, so. six total. Three in each conference. You got the Bucks, the New right. York Football Giants, and your Philadelphia and the Eagles. Eagles. Right. Um, right. But listen, Kansas let, City. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, just in the NFC, I'm saying there's three in each co- or three in each conference. Excuse sure. me. Sure. Um, you know, I don't know if you caught Brian Baldinger on uh, Baldy on WIP this week, but he said that the Eagles dialed up, I don't know, in a, in a six-minute span of game clock, they had four zero cover, you know, zero-man zero blitzes, blitzes sure. or whatever they call them, where basically uh-huh. it's man-on-man man and everybody and else was coming. And he said he didn't remember a time but maybe once all of last year that they even used a blitz like that. I, um, I, I actually did happen to catch that. And, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's trusting your personnel. Now, I don't know if the defenders like Slay and, you know, the secondary came back in the room and said, listen, Coach, we got this. Just let us go and let us play. And that's huge, too, if that's what happened. Yeah. Or, or is it just getting more comfortable? You know, they need Well, that and I think show. Sirianni, too. I mean, Sirianni had that interesting quote right towards the tail end of last week, right before they probably, you know, had their walk through, like last day of media availability, where he was asked about the defense. He said something about no stern uh, no stone unturned this week. Correct. And to me, that's the head coach going in there and saying, look, I know these are your principles. I know we wanted to play this way in these situations or this way last year. But, like, you know, we, it's a unique challenge with the Vikings coming in because of Justin Jefferson. Like, 
you know, what else is there? What else can we do? What's worked against these guys? I mean, that had to be some of their conversation to come out and just have such a good game plan and execute it. Um, and, and look, now through t- on the flip side, and I know I'm jumping all over the map here, but on the flip side, in two weeks, the Eagles have seen a team that blitzed the hell out of Jalen Hurts and the Lions and a team mm-hmm. that sat back in that shell. Correct. And I love that for two reasons. One, now Jalen Hurts early in the year has gotten that preseason out of the way, right? Like now he's seen everything. Mm-hmm. There's not much else you can do, right? If you're either not going to blitz, sure. you're going to blitz or some hybrid. So he's seen both ends of the spectrum and handled them well, and they've won. And other defensive coordinators now are going to be doing their homework going, well, shit, didn't work. The Lions yeah. blitzed him every pl- time. He just ran. Like, his legs won that game. Vikings, exactly. back in an old school, keep everything. So, it's the best of both worlds uh, right now, if you're an Eagles fan from that from that regard. And, boy, was that a fun game to watch on TV. Well, well the other thing I'll point out real quick is just the distribution of wealth. Right? I, I, yep. Big talk that going into this week was, oh, God, man, they didn't get the – Devontae Smith didn't have one interception. Boom. They come out and he one is catch. going to yeah. Devontae and, and building that confidence. And then Jalen Hurts gets the first touchdown run. And I don't know if you saw Devontae Smith's reaction, but, you know, he pumped his fist and he shook it when Jalen Hurts got in the end zone. And you're like, okay, things are all good in that yeah. land as far as, you know, maybe we made a little too much big out of it. But, I mean, each receiver, I think they had, like, six guys that went over, like, 70 yards. Or they yep. had, like, seven receptions. I mean, it was – you got everybody involved, but you just got the opportunity to see, you know, that that word, that potential, that P word that, wow, this offense could really take fire. I mean, if he plays on a consistent level, there, there's no way they shouldn't score 25 to 30 points a game. Miles Sanders had a solid game, and, you know, they're still sprinkling in Gainwell and Boston Scott when they need their skill sets to come to the forefront. And and the offensive line, you know, another thing for credit, they were kind of a little shaky. Take that as some preseason rust, not playing together, but they were absolutely outstanding. Against the Vikings, who have a pretty good defense. They have some talented players. Now, it looks like the defensive his entire game plan the entire game right which, you know what it's driven me nuts because i'm like if it's not working it ain't why working do you con- yeah yeah why would you continue to stay in that baseless terrible defense but i mean that's what ed donatel did so so big his, uh, again people a little concerned that they didn't score in the second half I, it's kind of the ebb and flow of the football game i mean i just it was just a great performance it was remarkable and listen you got to protect your home turf we have nine home games this year, and we have some good opponents coming in, and it's it's good to get off to a great start. And especially the Eagles were not great at home last year. No. And some teams I was, came in and, you know, had their way with them. So it is good to see. Um, before we talk about week three and the trip down to D.C., any concern, biggest concern you have still for this football team in the early going? I mean, whew, that is a good question. Um I mean, the biggest concern for me is still going to be, can the defensive coordinator come up with an aggressive game plan? I mean, and, and, and the consistency of Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Because if we can see that week in and week out, we're in for a great ride this year. Yeah. I think it's somewhere in between. 
I think it's somewhere in between the week one and week two performance would be what I would love to have this year, you know, from a consistency standpoint. I think the ceiling is what we saw Monday night. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, we, I think we all agree that the floor is the Buccaneers playoff game last year. Um, and I don't want something in between those that high and that low. I want something in between week one and week two where, you know, a couple of missed throws week one, maybe a little bit too much running completely dialed in week two outside of those penalties, especially the ineligible man downfield, three of them in a quarter. Uncle disgusting coach it up better. Yep. It up better. You know, um, that was other than that, the team was, you know, you mentioned the block field goal that could have been points in the second half. If they pick up their assignment and do what they're, you know, do their damn job. But, um, I'm hoping for Jalen hurts somewhere in between, those that are talking Jalen Hurts is a top five quarterback today are the same people that two weeks ago were saying he can't play. I, I don't have time for the roller coaster. Let's calm down Philadelphia. We have a good team. If they stay healthy, should be a great team. Let's enjoy it and see how they, you know, come together as a group. You want to be playing your best football in December. I didn't think they were ready for that this early in the year, but boy, that was a hell of a uh, performance on Monday Night Football. And a lot of people nationally took notice and I haven't had to hear one chirp from a Vikings fan or a Minnesota native for the last few days. It's been beautiful. Uh, my concern though, sticking with the question I asked you and I, and I'm surprised you this John Mita, but I kind of threw it at you on the spot. Special teams. Yeah. Well, the special teams, <laughs> what have they done? Nothing in the last <laughs> two seasons. When was the last time special teams made a play? Made a play? And I know we've talked about this on recent previous podcasts, me, meaning sure. last football season. Sure. Know, they get nothing on the return game, kick or punt. The punter hasn't blown up yet, but I think we all know that's coming. And, you know, me, me, uh, Jake, me, Elliott. Me. Jake Elliott's the only, the only yeah. you know, I don't even want to call him surprise or, or plus, you know, br- bright spot because we've known about Jake Elliott, a Super Bowl winning kicker like he he's not afraid of the moment but the, uh, but and he you, seems to have worked out his extra point issues that were driving me yeah. crazy for a year and a half knock on wood but, did but you know special the, teams man did you know the defensive back special the week for the eagles in week one i saw that uh, uh mcpherson. mcpherson right which i'm like i'm like how i mean i watched the game what did he do <laughs> i have no idea when i saw that come across i'm like I don't even remember the guy making a play, but okay. I mean, we'll yeah. roll with it. <laughs> but by the I, way, real quick on the uh, real quick on the defense. Speaking of McPherson, because he got in a pass breakup in, in week two there after Slay sat out the last series or whatever. How about the defense breaking up passes? T.J. Edwards gets a game ball in my book. I mean, he had a hell of a night on Monday Night Football, and the defense has a you know turning their head around, whatever it is, just making plays. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, obviously, Slay, uh, you know, taking the challenge, them and the defense, the whole Justin Jefferson, even though I lost to my fantasy because I have Jefferson, it didn't matter <laughs> at that point. But he had, you know, six catches for 48 yards. As McPherson said, he put uh, Justin Jefferson in a, in a baby seat. I like that see. line. Yeah, I like that, that, that line. That line. And you had another defense. good line, too, uh, John Mead. I hate to cut you off. What was the text you sent? I can pull it up real quick. Uh, from the guy on that? National Sports Radio. 
Bob wow. Walker or Doc Walker? What's this guy's uh, name? Oh, uh, uh, Doc Walker. Oh, Bunch yeah, of yeah. Kib Sports. Here's the quote John Mita sent me. Yeah. <laughs> it's from some guy named Doc Walker. Yeah, I think quote, he's like he's like yeah. a commentator for the Red. Well, all right, the formerly the Redskins, the Commanders. Yeah. I think he works for like NBC Sports down there in Washington with like Brian Mitchell. So he was on Jaquib or Jaquib Sports, and he said, quote, there's certain things you need adult supervision for, and one of them is going to sporting events in Philadelphia, end quote. Love it. Let's get the shirts made up. That's it. That is a great quote. I love it, too. I mean, um, it, all right. Let's, so true. let's talk week three. Okay. How do you see this game playing out? I know before we started, we talked earlier this morning. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm thinking it's a, uh, it's a close game. For a couple of reasons, division, rival, on the road, short week, and and maybe just maybe going, man, we're a good football team after Monday night's win over what I think is a good football team in the Vikings. You do it pretty convincingly, and maybe you don't take Washington as seriously, or it just I think in the first half they might just need a little bit to find themselves. I know you disagree with that. I think the Eagles win. I'm not worried about that at all. I think they turn Carson Wentz over. You know, we know he likes to fumble the football if you can get around him. So let's pressure him. Let's hit him. Let's pick him off. Let's get a strip sack in there. I think the Eagles win this game. Uh, The spread is right around a touchdown. I don't know if they cover. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than some people think. But I think the birds improved to 3-0. I know you see it a little differently. Yeah. Um Yeah. You know, before the game even started, before the Vikings game started, the points forever is minus four. I wish I would have dialed in right away. I, I, I think this team is going to make another statement on the road. The place is going to be packed with Eagles fans because nobody wants to go support that terrible franchise and Daniel Snyder, one of the biggest snakes in the NFL. I, I just – I think this thing is growing. I'm telling you right now, I think they win by at least ten points, if not two touchdowns. I think it's an absolute blowout. I think there's still some members there that have a little bone to pick with Carson Wentz. I'd agree with that. I think some people are going to be fired up. And listen, now that Jalen gets to play Carson Wentz, you know he's going to be gassed up for the game. So I really think it is. I I think it's going to be an old school shellacking. So my prediction for the game is, and I I give them, I'm telling you, I think it's like a 38 to 13 think they get their doors blown off i don't even think it's close all right i'll go i'll go 21 i'll go 21 17 just to keep with the close factor again divisional game uh but i think the birds approved the three and oh i would love to see 38 to 13 because that means that by the time the minnesota wild drop the puck in their preseason opener i can turn off uh the red zone or direct tv sunday ticket on my ipad and i can focus on calling an ice hockey game for the first time since may but I digress. Uh, all right, Johnny Mito, we got to get quickly to the Phils and the Flyers. Uh, Flyers open training camp today, and I think John Tortorella put them through a youth hockey practice, meaning uh, no pucks for like the first 20 minutes. I think he gave them the old bag skate. They were doing suicides on the ice. Um, I'll say one thing. The Flyers are going to be a well-conditioned and probably hard to play against. Now, disappointing news for Flyers fans is that Ryan Ellis sounds like he's going to miss this entire season as well, and Sean Couturier's back injury does not sound promising either. I was planning at some point before October to come on this fine podcast and say I had belief that the Flyers would turn around this year 
because I was going to hold out hope that everything was going to go right. They need a lot to go right to be good this year. They needed Ellis to play. They need Couturier back. They need young guys to step up. They need the coach to give them a spark. They need to stay healthy. They need Carter Hart to play well. And already it seems like they're going to be fighting an uphill battle. So I'm going to reserve any comment on the Flyers season this time. But they're on the ice. They're underway. And John Tortorella is going to make sure they know about it by working their tails off, at least in camp, to get them in condition, to get them in the right mind frame. I don't know if they're going to have enough talent. Time will tell. Um, I mean, this is going to sound awful. And going, just witnessing what the Sixers went through to, to get back to where they need to be, I mean, I wouldn't mind tanking this season because there's a hell of a prospect coming out. Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard. And if we or if the NHL, for one time, could the NHL throw the Philadelphia Flyers a bone and just, you know, Pittsburgh, give them Malkin and Crosby, for one time, could they bring us a Connor? One oh, you time. don't want the you don't want the ping pong ball to bounce the Blackhawks way, and you end up with JVR instead of Patrick freaking Kane. Yeah, I mean, no, just I want the sure thing, man. Can we just get the sure thing? No, I know some people might say there's no such thing as the sure thing. No, but this I'm, kid's the sure. He's no, the real deal. No, he's putting up. No, he's said, putting up yeah. numbers. He's putting up numbers right. that McDavid put up and Crosby. I mean, he's. Right, he's right. He's there. at, at fifteen he's years old. Like you know, right. he was he was on people's radar. So yeah. yeah, I mean, he's in that class. So that's what this franchise needs. We need an injection of a new star player. And yep. Again, I don't know if we're going to lose enough games to do that, but man, that's kind of what I want. But I hear you, brother. Know. All right, to the Phils. To the Phils. They had dropped five in a row, and they were really trying hard to drop six in a row. But last night, they pulled it out after I had pretty much written them off and was ready to start ranking this collapse with some of the biggest collapses in Philadelphia sports history, not just the Phillies and their dreadful at times organization. But they found a way to get a W. There are some concerns. Bryce Harper's not hitting the ball. He looks lost. Reese Hoskins looks scared at the plate. Sir Anthony Dominguez has lost whatever magic he had before his injury, but it's sure. the young guys. It's the unheralded guys, as well as JT Real Muto and Mean Gene Segura right now that are carrying this team. And it got me thinking, has JT Real Muto ever played in a playoff game? My guess is no. It's with the Marlins. They stunk forever. And has Mean Gene ever played in a playoff game? I don't think so. So pretty cool that those two guys seem like they want it. And they're going after it. And hopefully the Phils can find a way with like 14 games left. They, I don't know, go eight and six, stay afloat, and hold off the Brewers. Um, last night was a huge win. And dear God, please don't collapse on this thing. I want October baseball. The dear God. Remember that segment, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we yep. said it too. But I'm, I'm with you. It's Listen, Zach Wheeler came back and he answered the bell. And we needed to see that. To give yes. us some hope that yep. when we throw them, when we throw him out there for the last games of the season, if he can make what, he'll probably what make maybe one or two more starts after. I would yeah. say what with fourteen games left, maybe two yeah. more starts. Maybe you get him to four or five innings next week, and then turn him loose it. from there. And that's it. So we just 
you're right. Bryce Harper, he's just, since he's come back, it has been struggle city. I got a theory. Quick. Conspiracy theory. I love a good one. Give it to me. All right. The team played so well with him out, I think it rattled his cage. That's interesting. You, I, you know, know what? Somebody else brought something else that'll bring to your attention. I think there, there might be some credence to it. Is the fact that because he's such a baseball player and he eats up the game and he loves it, the fact that he's not even – that he can't play right field, is mm. it eating him up that he's just yep. – all he does is bat. And he's just, well, and his numbers are very not, pedestrian this year as well. Right. They weren't. Just not he, was doing, he was hitting 300 when he got hurt. So, oh, I mean, he, he was, was doing great. But now – Right. You know, his numbers are pedestrian. Nobody's talking about him. He's a reigning MVP, and I'm sure it's messing with him mentally that sure. he keeps getting hurt and he's having a tough go the last few weeks. But he has not been the same. He he, he looks lost as well. Yes. Uh, certainly got to get that figured out. And, by the way, this baseball team has Nick Cassianos on it still. Does anybody remember that guy? Because no. they haven't missed a beat with him. Right. Uh, not that they've been playing great winning baseball without him, but, no, but I, they, I don't I don't wake up every day going, God, is Cassiano's back? Like, I haven't even missed the guy. No, but it would be nice. Obviously, yep. it really hasn't yep. hasn't lived up to our expectations, but yep. another viable. And yep. you know, he's not the greatest. No. He's a major. Stat of the day for you, John Mita. Had some success in his career. Give it to me. Got a stat of the day for you. At Boop Stats right, on Twitter. That's Bob Vatrone Jr. You follow Bob Vatrone? Via stat head. Matt Veerling last no, night. Great follow became, Bobby. Huh? <laughs> he became, Matt Veerling became just the fourth National League player since 1900 with five hits out of the nine spot in the order. Yeah. The fourth players in 120 years to have a five-hit game as a nine-hole hitter. Now, obviously, some of those guys are going to be pitchers, but still. It's it's still pretty remarkable. All right. Because somebody had to stop the play. Exactly. Somebody had to step up and come up with a hit. And we got four against the Bravos, the last home series at the bank. And the turnout hasn't been great lately to find a way to go three and one they have to sweep i mean not sweep they have to they have to split at the very yep. least yep. just to you. keep the train rolling to october because it would be nice to see october baseball and it's still to this day and i think about it a lot sometimes it's, it is hard to believe that this team hasn't been in the playoffs in it think about that i feel like yep. we went a decade before the yep. 07 one. oh we yeah yeah, like it's it's literally been like twenty years since self appearances, which is just wild. Yep. But anyway, all right, brother, enjoy the game on Sunday. Hopefully, we chat next. All week. right. Yeah. Well, out. good luck with preseason to you and the Minnesota Wild. You know, obviously the the team that I root for in the West. Um. So yeah, hopefully you have a good call. And the Eagles put the Commanders to bed early and often, and then you get to call a great preseason game on Sunday, my brother. All right, Godspeed. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Brother Love Podcast, John Mita, Joe O'Donnell. We're predicting a couple of W's. Go, Birds, till next time. We'll see you.